0: We are going to be actually wrapping up our foundation series. Um, I have just thoroughly enjoyed this, and it's just been really, uh, you know, I've heard from so many people how much they have got out of some of the different teachings that we've done in this foundation series, and me personally, uh, some of it has just been a great refresher, um, but some of it has just been really challenging to me to kind of think, oh yeah, what do I believe about this and, and how do I incorporate this into my life? Um, and so this week we are going to be talking about how to pray for one another. One of the values we have in this church is that we, we like to pray for each other. Um, we did uh, a number of weeks ago, we talked about how to have a prayer life as your own personal prayer life, Um, but we also believe that it is a biblical principle, especially in the New Testament, that when we are sick, when we're anxious, when we are going through things in our life, to come to our church family and and pray for one another. We also see in in the Bible this example of uh, can I pray for you being one of the greatest tools we have to share the love of Jesus. Um, I have just been convinced over the last, you know, number of years that uh, that simple question of can I pray for you has been a great way to introduce people to Jesus. Um, It's, it's, you know, I loved what Nate talked about About when he talked about sharing our faith, that it's not just about going through doctrine. Actually, most of the time, it's not just going through doctrine, but it's introducing people to the person that we love, Jesus, and praying for them is a great way of doing that. And so this morning, what we're going to do is we're really going to look at the example of Jesus in the New Testament. We're going to be looking at Jesus and the disciples, and see, how did they pray for people? Because we, we see Jesus praying for people all through the Gospels, and we're going to use his example for us, because I know for so many people, praying for someone can feel overwhelming. Like, how do I do it? What if I say the wrong words? I've seen examples of people praying for people where it feels like, you know, there's not a lot of dignity in it, or that feels like they're doing weird things and do, are we supposed to do those things? So we're gonna talk a little bit about that this morning. Um, and you may be thinking, the idea of praying for someone with an expectation that things might change is weird. You might be feeling like, you know, praying and expecting to see someone healed, that's like, that's weird. And I just want to put you at ease and say, I think it's weird too. But I am just convinced that we see Jesus do it, we see his disciples do it, I have watched it modeled in really poor ways, and really wonderful ways, and, and praying for people has greatly changed my life. I have seen miracles happen. I've seen people healed. I've shared some stories. I've seen tumors leave. I'll share some as we we go on. Um, But I just want to say sometimes we pray for someone and we might see someone healed. But we also may pray for someone and we see nothing. And that's a reality that can feel really discouraging or, or maybe it brings up questions of like, why does that happen? I mean honestly like when i when I talk about my mom, you know we've prayed for my mom countless times every night when when I put Olive to bed, she prays for Grand's cancer to go away, and she still has cancer and so why does that happen? Why do we see someone be healed and This situation and someone not be healed in this situation. And the easy answer, and maybe the frustrating answer, is I don't know. There is a mystery to it. I think sometimes churches try to explain it away like there was a secret sin issue or they didn't have enough faith. And gosh, it just doesn't feel honoring to do that, and it doesn't seem like it is really the, the what we see in the full scope of, of the Bible. But what I have kind of come to realize is that we are in a time where theologians refer to it as the now and the not yet, the already and the not. That when Jesus came, he came preaching the message of the gospel of the kingdom he says he came and was spreading the gospel of the kingdom and the gospel of the kingdom is simply this the king has returned the king has come to earth and his kingdom is breaking through and, and Jesus talked about what it looks like, and he says the, the prisoners will be set free, the, the blind will see, the, you know, the, the hungry will be fed, all of these beautiful things. He says, this is what my kingdom looks like. And when Jesus came, he was preaching this message and also demonstrating it. He introduced the kingdom. He, he inaugurated the kingdom, as someone might say. But he went on to say, my kingdom will fully come when I return. That I'm going to come again and, and, and bring my kingdom fully. That it's here, but it's not yet here. It's breaking through. We, we do see evidence of the kingdom, but we don't get to see it in its fullness right now. And sometimes that can be frustrating And also, sometimes that can be very freeing. I've had friends who have been in church traditions where maybe they have cancer and then people say, you're going to be healed. We pray for them and they're not healed. And what do you do with that? What do you do with that? And this idea of the now and the not yet that we see in scripture has been so freeing to me to realize, oh yeah, it's still a broken world. And there's another kingdom as well. And we get to see evidence of God's kingdom here on earth. And there's a promise that one day we will see it in full. That there will be no more tears, no more cancer, no more racism, no more anxiety and depression, and no more, you know, abuse, no more fill in the blank. And today, as the church, that's why we're called Restoration Heights, because we want to be part of God's work of restoration, of bringing the kingdom of restoration here to the Heights area. So what does that have to do with praying for people? Well, I believe that it is God's intention, that I believe on the other side of eternity, when his kingdom is fully here, the promise is that there's not going to be sickness anymore. And so right now, when we pray for someone, kind of what we're doing is we're, we're going into that future to take handfuls of that future kingdom and bring it here today. To say, just like Jesus prayed, would you let your kingdom come today? Come, kingdom come today. And so, what I want to do for um, the rest of my time is kind of get really, really practical and look at this thing that we call the five step prayer model. Um, because sometimes when we pray for someone, we might not know where to start. We might not really know how to pray. And like, let me just tell you this the five step prayer model, they are not rules. These are not rules. You do not have to pray this way. It's kind of based off of what we see Jesus doing, what we see the disciples doing. Um, but they're more like just helpful tips. They're helpful. T- I. I, when I pray for people now, I don't think about the five-step prayer model. Sometimes I skip steps. Sometimes I don't do any of it. But, but this is a, a general helpful tool that we can have to kind of uh, know maybe how to, to start praying. Um, and what you'll see is on your seat, you'll find a card with the five steps on it. Now, there is a typo on it. There are two typos Oh, great. I did it. It's my fault. Um, But we're relaxed here. We do typos. But you can keep that. You can put it in your Bible um, or put it in your wallet or purse or whatever. Um, But the first step, if someone uh, says they want prayer or you think that uh, I would like to pray for this person, person, the first question or uh, step is to ask. It's to ask a question. And the question that typically I'm asking um, is the question of what is God up to? What is God up to in this person's life? I believe that God is always active. Here's a simple test. If you want to know if God is active in someone's life, if they have a pulse, the answer is yes. And probably if they don't have a pulse, the answer is yes as well. But God is always active. One of the things that I say to myself as a musician is God is always singing a melody over someone and it's my job to sing the harmony. How can I partner with what God is doing in this person's life? And what I find to be really helpful is to not assume that you know what the person needs even if it seems like super obvious to you. One of the things that I love that Jesus did is he would always ask people, what do you want me to do for you? What is it that you need? And even Jesus, I mean, Jesus, gosh, I don't know how it works, but I think he may have known. But he still would ask, what is it that you want me to do for you? I know there is a really popular church that, Really goes after healing, and they're a, they're a big church that probably many of us know. And not to disparage them at all, but I know there. I was watching this interview with this person who is in a wheelchair, and she was saying, "I hate that that church because they always come up to me and tell me to get out of my wheelchair and walk, and they always pray for me uh, that I want to." you know, have to use a wheelchair anymore. And while maybe we think that's a kind thing to do, she didn't want prayer for that. She may have wanted prayer for something completely different. So it's important that we don't assume what people need. It's disrespectful, and it doesn't give them dignity. It's very dignifying to say, what do you need prayer for? How can I pray for you? Matthew 20, 32, Jesus says, what would you like me to do for you? I love that. I love that. Where, it's kind of asking the question, where does it hurt? Where does it hurt? When did it start hurting? Mark 9, 21 says, how long has it been like that? Jesus would ask questions. He would like kind of do this interview with people. Like, what's going on? Tell me, tell me what you need prayer for. And I think um, you know, asking simple questions can, can help us determine how we should go about praying for someone. Sometimes we just go in super Holy Spirit, supernatural, and just start doing it, and we miss the mark because we don't ask a simple question. Um, and one thing I found to be really helpful is to make sure that it's brief. A lot of times, it'll be something like, oh, I have a headache, and we immediately jump into, hey, have you tried Excedrin? And you know, blah, 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 and start giving advice to people. And there's time and place for advice, but people are asking for prayer. They don't want our opinions, they want God. And so, make the interview brief. The second step is invite. One of my favorite prayers is an ancient prayer that we find from the Desert Fathers, the, this, this prayer that says, come, Holy Spirit. You'll often hear me say this prayer, and sometimes it's confusing to people because they think, wait, isn't God everywhere? And the answer is yes. But come, Holy Spirit, kind of what it, what it means is come have your way. Let your kingdom come. Holy Spirit, your goodwill and intention, would it, would it be here now? Come. Because like I said, the person you're praying for isn't here for you. They're here for God. They need what God has for them. And advice is great and, you know, all those things have a time and a place, but what if we left room for the Holy Spirit? And so we wait patiently. And one of the values we have here in this church is this value of being naturally supernatural. This was an old quote that John Wimber used to say all the time, that we should be naturally supernatural. What does that mean? It means we don't have to be weird for the sake of being weird. We don't have to hype things up and amp things up. We can use our regular language. We don't have to say... I was just watching this guy on Instagram talking about these terms like hedge of protection and binding the enemy. And those are fine. Those are actually biblical things to say. But so many times we say those things, we don't even know what they mean. It's okay to say things in the normal way that we talk. We can be natural. Dude, like I said, this stuff is weird. We don't have to make it more weird. We can be naturally supernatural. Be yourself. Be yourself. Don't be like me. Don't be like Rod Parsley. Don't be like who you saw on TV. Be you. God wired you very specifically. And I love the way he wired you. And one of the things I love about this is we see this in the model of Jesus. Sometimes there's this thought on, about Jesus that we think he was like magical. And this is, this is, you know, people disagree on the theology behind this, but I'll tell you my opinion. It seems as though Jesus relied on the Holy Spirit. On the miracles that Jesus performed, it seems as though he relied on the Holy Spirit. There's this idea of Jesus laying down um, the the godly power that he had when he came to earth. And I think one of the reasons he did that was to demonstrate how to do ministry, how to live a life relying on the Holy Spirit. Jesus relied on the Holy Spirit. Before he started his ministry, there's the story of him being baptized. And I love this in Mark chapter 1. It says, just as Jesus was coming out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice from heaven said, you are my son whom I love. With you, I am well pleased. And then do you know what happens right after that? It says the Spirit led him into the desert. Yikes! <laughs> but then you know what happens? Out of the desert, it says being full of the power of the Spirit. So it's the Spirit descending on him, and then being led, and then be, being filled with the power of the Spirit. That Jesus was filled with the power of the Spirit, and then. Paul talks about in Ephesians, he talks about in 518, he says, Be not drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. When I was a kid, or in youth group, this text was always just used to say, don't drink. And sure, it can apply to that, <laughs> whatever, that's fine. But you know what this text means? It's saying, be filled with the Spirit. That's the, that's the imperative, That's the point of this text is saying, don't don't just get drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. And you know what's cool about this? Is the word be filled is this word play which means to constantly be filled, to keep on being filled. And it actually is a command. (laughs) It's a command. It's It's not a suggestion. It's Paul saying, You got to have the Holy Spirit. You have to have the Holy Spirit to, to, to do life. Life is hard. Who is with me? Is life hard? Yeah. Oh, I. I saw a meme recently that said, "Like, do you need the Holy Spirit to get through life?" And he's like, "Man, I need the Holy Spirit to just get to the grocery store." (laughs) Be filled with the Holy Spirit. So when we pray, we invite the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, come. Jesus regularly listened to the Father for his marching orders too. Jesus regularly was keeping one eye on the natural, asking people, what do you want me to do for you? But also listening to the Father. What are you saying, God? John 5, Jesus says, I can do nothing by myself. I can only do what I see the Father doing. He says, by myself I can do nothing. I judge only as I hear and my judgment is just for I seek not to please myself but him who sent me. Jesus is saying I only in ministry, in life, I want to do what the Father is doing. One of the things that Jesus has been teaching me recently is that he is a better leader than I'm a follower. And that he is faithful to lead me that we need to hear lord what are you what are you doing how can i harmonize with you how can i harmonize with you and so we're when we're praying for someone again it's important to see the natural god what are you doing in the natural and then god what are you doing in the supernatural what are you saying we're listening I love this quote by Francis McNutt. He says, words from God are more like a wisp than even a whisper. That we need to dial down and listen. What are you doing, Holy Spirit? We listen to him. And when we say listen, it can mean all different kinds of things. For me, a lot of times, I get these senses that I just feel like, I don't think this thought is my own thought. I don't think this feeling is my own feeling. Pay attention to these intersecting thoughts when you're praying for someone. Is that you, God? Some people will see like vivid pictures as they pray for someone. And sometimes it's worth just asking, you're praying for someone, and you see a picture of like, you know, I think last night, Cherie, you had a picture of a uh w- w- Someone in a twirly dress, and L- Lara was like, "Oh my gosh!" Like I, w- there's some, there's more to the story, but it was very significant to Lara. And so sometimes those things, like you're like, I keep looking at this picture of his twirly dress. What I usually do is I'll say something like, "This might be weird, and it might not have anything to do with anything, but does like a twirly dress mean anything to you?" And they might be like, "Nope," and you're like, "Okay, <laughs> like that's fine." But sometimes you'll ask, and they'll be. like, yes. You think, okay. And the more you do that, the more you start learning to decipher between your own thoughts and the thoughts of God. The Bible tells us that he writes his word on our hearts and on our mind, which tells me that not all of our thoughts are our own and not all of our feelings are our own. And it's good to just start kind of stepping out and trying to figure out which ones are God's and which ones are mine some people have senses some people have feelings there can be all kinds of things that we that we can hear from the lord but you you, you don't start learning it until you start stepping out and asking god is this you so we ask the person what they want prayer for we we Um, invite the Holy Spirit, and then we pray. We actually pray. And so the way that we pray, we decide what does this person need, and we pray with an expectancy and a confidence, but not a false confidence. We pray with a confidence that God loves this person and that he could show up, but maybe he won't. That we live in the now and the not yet but we pray with an expectancy that he might do something and again like I said before we don't over promise we don't say things like you are going to be healed or or you know this is going to be fixed or whatever we, we have uh, a sense of God might might show up and we, we we have an expectancy that he may I love Luke chapter 12. It says, Fear not, little flock, for it is my Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. We believe that God wants to heal. We believe that God wants to bring his kingdom. And so when God comes, we believe that he gives his kids his good things. So you want to know the most common way that we see Jesus and the disciples pray for people is we see him pray with a simple command. Jesus prays with a simple command of saying, be healed, or something like that. In Luke chapter 5, it says this. It says, while Jesus was in one of the towns, a man came along who was covered with leprosy. When he saw Jesus, he fell with his face to the ground and begged him, "Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean." And so Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. And he says, "I am willing," he said, "Be clean." And immediately the leprosy left him. We see this over and over and over again with Jesus, that he didn't pray these super complicated prayers, that he just spoke to sicknesses, he spoke to problems, he spoke to waves and told them to be still, he spoke to storms and told them to stop, he spoke to eyes and told them to see. And then we see Peter praying for this paraplegic man. He was, uh, this paraplegic man was asking for money and, and Peter, filled with compassion, said, listen, I don't have any money. He said, I don't have silver, I don't have gold, but what I do have, I will give to you. And he said, get up and walk. Peter didn't, you know, say all these eloquent words. He just said, get up and walk and the man got up and walked. We can pray with this authority. Luke chapter 10 says, I have given you authority to overcome all the power of the enemy. Do you know that? That you have been given authority by Jesus to pray for the sick. That means we do not have to beg. We don't have to beg and this is one of the things that I've seen over and over again is when we pray for people oftentimes we beg this is this is kind of if you go to this graph this is oftentimes the way we pray for people I made this last night isn't that awesome that the way we pray for someone who is sick is we would say God can you come and maybe heal this person? God, can you maybe come and take this headache away? Can you help this person with this issue? But the way that we see Jesus pray and the disciples pray is like this. God has given me authority to say, get up and walk in the name of Jesus. That we pray in the name of Jesus. It's not our authority. It's not our power. It's his. But he says he has given us the authority to say, Headache, be gone in the name of Jesus. Fear, be gone in the name of Jesus. Sickness, be gone in the name of Jesus. Now, there is a type of way where we can intercede. We pray with intercession, where we can pray on behalf of someone. And that's more like the other picture where we say, God, uh, would you would you just help? Would you help Joe with the issue that he's facing or... Or, or, God, would you help uh, so-and-so? They're struggling financially. Lord, would you help them? And there is a time that we receive uh, intercede for someone, but so often what we see Jesus do is pray with the authority, and we see the disciples do that as well. And then one of the, one of the most common prayers that I do is I bless. I bless. I say, um, this is what I see in you you are you are strong i i pray i pray a blessing over you that you would um know who god made you to be i pray life over you i pray hope over you peace over you we can pray blessings over people and again we don't have to use a lot of words Matthew 6 Jesus says when you pray don't do not keep on babbling like pagans for they think they will be heard because of their many words we don't have to do that we don't have to trick the holy spirit into healing someone we don't have to be eloquent enough to make the holy spirit think he's got it we just can say be healed be blessed receive love. So as you're praying, it's important to check on the person. One of the things that I do is I keep my eyes open when I pray. I look to see what's going on because sometimes you can see what God is doing with your eyes open. (laughs) Sometimes you see someone might be swaying a little bit or they might be crying or something and it's Maybe God is doing something. And it's okay to ask a question. It's okay to ask, hey, what do you do you feel like do you feel like God might be doing something? Sometimes people feel like, oh, I'll interrupt what the Holy Spirit is doing. But if the Holy, I mean the Holy Spirit is stronger and more powerful and kinder than you are. And he wants to give good gifts. So if you just say, hey, is, do, you f- do you feel like the Holy Spirit might be doing something? It's okay to ask and look. Looking at facial expressions. Sometimes I'll be praying for someone and I'll have my eyes closed and I look up and I can see that they don't want to be prayed for. They're done. And it's important to be like, oh, they don't want prayer. Okay. like, Okay. I remember praying for someone. And listen, I have prayed for more people that... I didn't see something supernatural happen than I have seen something. Se- it was a weird way of saying it. But do you know what I mean? I've prayed for more people and not seen a supernatural event than I have seen a supernatural event. But I have seen crazy things happen. I remember praying for this woman who had a headache. And this was like one of the craziest things I've seen. But I gotta, I'm, I'm being 100% honest with you. I was praying for her. She had a headache. And I began to see ripples in her forehead like moving ripples in her forehead, and I was like freaked out. I was like, I've never seen this before, and I've never seen it again. But I was like, I think something is happening here. And it's okay to ask, what's going on? Are you feeling that in your forehead? Did what I prayed make sense? Did it mean anything to you? Are you feeling better? Do you still have a headache? Does your arm still hurt? Did you feel like God was saying something to you? And, and one of the things that I have I've learned to do is to only pray as I feel God directing me. I don't have to babble on until I hit something. If I don't feel like the Lord is saying anything to me, I can just say, bless you in the name of Jesus. And again, be willing to take risks. Like, if you feel like the Lord is maybe speaking to you with humility, say, like I was saying, sometimes I'll say things like, I feel like the Lord might be uh, saying this. Does that mean anything to you? And it's not saying, thus saith the Lord. It's not being overconfident. Now, sometimes I feel very confident that the Lord is saying something to me. But sometimes it's like, I don't know if this is God, but it might be. It might be, and it's okay to be humble in that. It's actually better to be humble. Give God some time to speak. Also, do not try to manipulate the hand of God. Do not try to manipulate the hand of God. We don't have to get loud. We don't have to amp things up. We can... It is scientific fact that you can make people feel something by changing the condition of the room. You can play some soft music behind it, dim the lights, and people might feel something, but it might not be the Holy Spirit. One of the things that I love about having kind of a space like we do is that we're not putting on airs. (laughs) You know, we're not, we're, not like, we're not creating this atmosphere for people to come and experience something that might be manipulation. We encouraged relaxed expectation that God loves you, and sometimes he heals, and so we're going to invite him to, he- to come, but we're not going to make over promises. Loudness doesn't make for greater power. Um, we don't hit people in the foreheads. We don't do things like that. We don't need to. The Holy Spirit moves. Here's another really important thing as we pray is we make every attempt to protect the integrity and privacy of the person you're praying for. We don't want to embarrass people. We don't want to pray so loud that you're You're sharing their, you know, maybe some of their sensitive things to everybody. Another thing, even along with this, is we don't want to use prayer as an excuse for gossip. We're praying for so-and-so because they're just, did you hear about their marriage? Let's pray for them. That is disrespectful it doesn't respect them it doesn't it doesn't you know give them dignity not to say we shouldn't pray for them but examine your heart why am i why am i saying this is it am I saying this because i want to gossip or am i really looking for this this person's best interest also one of the things that i want us to have of a value in our church um And I will say this is a value. It's not a rule, but it's a value. And I think it's really important um, is that we want to pray positive things over people. And so this is like, gosh, I've seen examples where people like say things like, hey, be careful. I think your husband might die today. And we don't do things like that here. We don't want to pray things that might scare people. Now, I'm not saying God can't say something like that to you, but you need to sit with something like that for a while and bounce it off of maybe another leader in the church and say, I felt like God was saying this. What do you think? And don't just pray things like that. We want people, when they receive prayer, to leave the prayer feeling the love of God, not fear. That's really important to me. I'm not saying God can't act that way, but we need to be 100% sure that it's God, and that involves some testing of the Spirit. The Bible says to test words. And then finally, the last step is to plan. This is kind of to help the person digest what may have happened, to make a plan with them. Maybe giving them some direction. This is where maybe a little advice can happen. But again, this is not a counseling session. But this could be something where you encourage someone like, hey, you know, you might want to go see a counselor. This feels like something where maybe you should see a counselor for this. Or maybe, maybe I'd love to pray more for you later. Can, I, can Can we get together later this week and I can pray some more with you? Or, or hey, you know what? This psalm, would you, I, I think the Lord wants you to read this psalm. Like, would you read this psalm this week and see what you feel like God might be saying to you or get into community, small group, or, or whatever, but this is where we process. And again, we can ask that question, did you experience anything? Was, do you, does your arm feel better? And sometimes they'll say things like, my head feels a little bit better. And we can say, awesome. Can I try to pray again? And, or, or just be like, great, let me know. Because sometimes what has happened is I'll pray. Like I, I, I shared the, the story uh, a few months ago about the guy who had t- tumors. He had tumors and he was going to the doctor on Monday to get the a biopsy to find if they were cancerous. And we prayed for him on Sunday that the tumors go, would go away. And you could see him. You could see like this lump in his neck. We prayed for him and uh, we didn't see anything. And so I told him, you know, all the stuff about the now and the not yet and why God, you know, maybe didn't heal him. And then the next Sunday he comes to me, and his neck looked different. And I was thinking maybe there was some, like, medicine or something he got on, and he said, I went to my biopsy on Monday, and the doctor said my tumors were gone and gosh again i don't see that very often yeah amen and so we see the evidence of god and we see god move but it might not be immediately and so we we want to be patient with that and we want to say hey follow up with me let me know maybe if tomorrow let me know if you're still feeling better or whatever um but how i want to end is this Uh, again that prayer model is just a model, it's not rules, but I want to I give us an opportunity to pray for one another, to, to invite the Holy Spirit and to pray for one another.